And let me tell you why, how I'm different than most people that most preachers you've heard. I am referred to as a kingdom now man. I'm a kingdom now man. I'm not waiting for Christ to come to set up a physical appearance upon the earth to bring renovation and, and recreation to this earth. And that day will come. But at the resurrection, by an empowerment of the Holy Spirit, at the resurrection, he became king that day. And on the third day, where he went to a coronation in heaven. So I was raised in a denomination where they said, well, you got to wait till he comes back and the millennial reign set the kingdom. I got one word in the Greek for that. Baloney. The king lives in me now. Kingdom. Two words in the Greek. King and domain. And the king lives in me now. And, and before I scare all of you off, when I get the millennial reign, you'll go, my, my, my. Because right now it's possible for the lion to lay down with the lamb inside of me. At this moment, it's possible for the youngest tender things in my mind and heart to, to, to coincide with, with evil and, and, and wolves and these things. How is that possible? And you, and you would say, well, the millennial reign has come. I want you to know the millennial reign is already in my heart. And the only reason why that the wolves are not devouring me right now and the only reason why the lamb is not devouring the lamb right now is because there's a kingdom that has been established in me now. And I face the same battles and I got the same problems than you, you do. But I, I'm trying to, it's kind of like going through the optometrist. One or two, is this better or for worse? And I'll say, well, when I can see you, I'll tell you, but I can't see anything now. My job this morning is to help unpale the cataracts from your eyes that you really see what's going on. Quit waiting for the sweet by and by. King Jesus is present in our lives right now. Amen. Right now. Now. Your problem is you're waiting for an unknown space and time. You're sitting around patting your foot for the, the rapture bus to take place or something to happen. It's not going to happen. The kingdom has been given to us now. Wheat and tares. The tares shall be removed and the wheat shall be left. So the idea, I'm a kingdom, and, and do I believe the second coming? You know I do. Amen. Do I believe that his kingdom should be established upon this earth? You know I do. But the inside secret is his kingdom is now within me. Remember what John the Baptist said, Matthew 4 and 17? John the Baptist is preaching up a storm, and Jesus walks up which is his second cousin, really. He walks up and John the Baptist stops what he's saying and this is what he says. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is there. The kingdom of heaven he's referring to as Jesus. If Jesus was the king of the heaven 2,500 years ago, he's still king of the heaven and he's king of our hearts as well. So wherever the king is, that he possesses a kingdom. 
and within his kingdom. And I know most of you have already revelations, and I'm going to encourage you, shut that and read something else because it's messing you up. But I'll tell you, there is peace and tranquility and all these things. But I'll tell you, it's not just necessarily when we die and leave this place. It is possible now, even in the midst of wolves and thieves and, and, tra- and tragedies. If, if I told somebody, if, if you could really see in my mind, in my heart, what's going on, you'd think, oh my, it's a zoo. You too? Some of you look like it. I mean, I mean uh, uh, the big old silverback gorilla section. And, but, but what keeps my enemy from destroying me? What keeps my enemy from devouring me? If all this is living together, what keeps that? And, and I want you to hear me. It's not your prayer life and it's not your fasting and it's not your good conduct or your straight A's on report card. There's only one thing that'll keep that line from devouring the lamb inside of you is that it must be a king at, at present in your heart. And as Job questioned God and God gave him a, a three chapter answer and this is what God, Job did. He said, I think I'll put my hand over my mouth. I've just said way too much. It is the king. So he told Job, he said, I'm the one who tells the oceans this far no more. I'm the one that told the sun, you go there and you stay there till I tell you to move. A king. So what's different about me, you're going to find out this morning that that as a king and kingdom, there are compartments and sections and, and, and we're all dealing with stuff. But, but King Jesus is not just something that I got on my bumper sticker or, or, or somewhere in the, in the back room of the house. King Jesus is, is, is king of all. You read, him around in, you read about him in Revelation 19, but, but he doesn't come back as king. He already is king. Now, I need you to understand me. Revelation 19, and he had a name upon his vest and his blood. That nobody knew his name is King of Kings and Lord of the Lords. Well, when did he get that title? When he came back to earth, did you go, oh yeah, we say you're king. He was king way before you, your mother and father ever thought about you. Amen. When did he become king? The day of his resurrection. Yes, yes. He become king. He triumphed over all things. And so now that kingdom has been deposited in our hearts and our lives. So this morning, what I'm going to talk to you about, I have, a, I have some things in the next three weeks I'm going to talk to you about. But so we're going to start very simple this morning. If I haven't lost you already, but there's a king in my heart. I, I don't have to come to church to look for something. Don't ever come to church looking for anything. You're commanded to never come to the church empty handed. You're commanding the scripture. Don't ever enter the sanctuary empty handed. Bring something. Now, some of the stuff you've been bringing, I wish you'd left at home. But the rest of it, bring happiness and joy and laughter and singing and praise and honor and glory because that's what God commands us for, say. It's, it's, the, it's the wheat offering. It's the fruit offering. It's not atonement. It's just sacrifice of praise. So don't ever, next week, don't come in there sad sack. No, uh, sacrifice of praise to God. It may be killing you. That's what a sacrifice. That's what a sacrifice is. If you didn't know that, I mean, something's killing me here. I'm, but Lord, this is my sacrifice to you. Everything's going rotten, but you're still worthy to be praised, even in the midst of my rottenness. Anybody but me. Everything's not going good. Somebody said, "How was your trip?" It was great. This was my forty-first cruise. It took three hours and twenty minutes to get to Dallas. A trip that normally takes me a five and a half hours took almost nine. I-30 was shut down to one lane. Got to Houston, the overpass was shut out. Once we got there, finally, I had to live with 4,900 rebellious people. <laughs> uh, I think 
Terry Myers is, had a family reunion there. I don't know. My wife got COVID two days later. On the way back, the interstate was still shut down. It was an hour and 28 minutes detour. Had to come through Dallas and it was eight and a half hours to get back. But besides that, it was great. I'm glad to be home. So the kingdom is in us. Maybe some of you didn't realize it. Some of you didn't realize, but the king has already been at work in your life. He's never turned his back or abandoned you. The king of glory has always been wooing you with cords of love and drawing and whispers. Right before you made the wrong turn too quick, too fast, he said, let's go this way. That's the king. He's at large in your heart. So Jesus told his disciples one time in Matthew 16 and 19, he said, I'm going to give to you the, the keys, plural, to the kingdom of heaven. There is no such thing as one singular key that will work for you in this, in this, in this life. Not one. I'll give you the keys, plural. Plural. Now, the reason why I, I say this all the time, I always use the word principles. And somebody say, well, what, what kind of church is it? And I say, what's well, a good one? Well, what do you do? Well, I teach biblical principles. They go, boy. So can I, can I word it a different way? Keys. Keys. I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom. Because within the Father's kingdom, there's many doors and there are many things. Then some things need to be locked and some things need to be unlocked for your safety and your satisfaction. There's some places you don't need to go. There's some marriages God said, that's why I stopped that. There's some things that God just lets you take a job. There's some friendship that God stopped immediately because he saw down the road that that wasn't going to be important to you. It'd be more damaging, detrimental. So the, the thing about he's going to give us keys to the kingdom is that it has everything to do with locking something, locking something. Some of you people here have keys to this church. If you don't have a key to the church, raise your hand. There's reasons for that. Thank you. But those that have a key to get in the front door doesn't have a key to my office. And those that have a key to my office doesn't have a key to my gun safe. And those that didn't have a key to my gun safe didn't have a key to my safe where all the millions of dollars are that preachers have. You know that. So when you get saved, you go, I got the key. Everything's available to you. Not so fast, my friend. Just because you can get in the front door doesn't mean you have access to all the compartments that God has available for you. And then you go, well, it's not fair. Sure, it's fair. God said, if you'll just pay attention, I'm going to give you keys that will unlock certain doors in your life. Next week will be a good one. I'll promise you that. Next week, I'm going to talk about what it's like and what you can become when you leave the covering of a man of God, you become ugly. Ooh, you may want to show up for that one. You may want to stay home. I don't either way. But I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom because salvation is the key that gets us into the door, into the kingdom. But now that we found out through the years that there's many things that seem to be doors locked and we need keys. So there's two important facts about keys and locks this morning. Number one, Quit locking yourself up. 
Quit locking yourself up. It, it just stands to reason. Why, why do you need a key? I mean, why do you need a key? There's a lock involved. So quit locking yourself up. Quit doing dumb stuff. Punch somebody say, he's talking to you, knucklehead. Listen. Thank you, Donna. I mean, quit doing dumb stuff. Quit saying dumb things. Just quit it. You're locking yourself up. It's Otis Campbell and Andy Griffith. I mean, I'm locking myself up here. I've never enjoyed doing stupid things and living with the consequences, whether it be a, a fight at home, which never happens. She always realizes I'm right. But besides that, I mean, I, I never enjoy saying the wrong things. Have you ever anybody besides me said the wrong things and got mad and lost your temper and, and you regretted it? Well, quit doing it. Dumdy dum dum. Nobody's making you. So 10 or 12 years ago, I told this, but this is a true story. I wouldn't tell if it wasn't true. I mean, my filter really wasn't attached very good to the to the to the nozzle of my mouth years ago. What do you mean, huh? And it's my middle son, huh? The Bible says for women and sons to keep silent in church and I'll write that somewhere. And so one Sunday morning, there was a, a young guy in the church that, you know, where he was in between careers and in between places and he wasn't going to be here long. And, and so God just kind of attached me to him. And, and so I said, hey, I'm working over here. You want to help me? And he said, well, I don't know anything about it. And I said, I don't care. Just come help me. Well, I didn't need him. For, I was just trying to pour into him. I said, I'll even pay you. I'll pay you for letting me to preach sermons and principles to you. He goes, all right. So I rode all over the walls and, you know, he was here for about just for a little while. And so one Sunday morning, I, you know, we had a pretty good crowd and whatever I talked about, it was pretty graceful, I hope. And so the next morning I said, listen, I'm going to pick you up about six o'clock, 545. And we're, this is what we're going to do. He goes, yeah, I'll be ready. And he was I picked him up. I said, are you hungry? Picked him up at the motel. He said, yeah. I said, we'll run back McDonald's. I said, OK. So, uh, you know, we're still bubbling from Sunday morning. He said, oh, the music was great. I mean, the people were friendly and, you know, you know how it is. And uh, so we pulled up McDonald's. We're the only one in line, 6 a.m. And I roll on my window and, and, and you get and, and so they said, welcome to McDonald's. That's not what they said. It's go. <laughs> and, you know, you know how that goes. And I said, what I need is <clears throat> I need two sausage biscuits and two cups of coffee. That's what I ordered. Two sausage biscuits, two cups of coffee. And this voice said, can you hang on a minute? And I said, I said, well, sure. You know, I was trying to be nice to him. Isn't it amazing that God will put you around people that make you be nice? <laughs> and, and so he came back going, okay, go ahead. And you can hear the microphone. He dropped the microphone. What is, what's going on? So he put the microphone on and, and he said, can I take your order again? I said, yes. Two sausage biscuits and two cups of coffee. And he said, and he, and, he, and he goes, that'll be a number four and a number three. I said, no. And I really wanted to bark. And I really wanted to say, what planet are you from? But I thought, well, I got this guy right here. I just talked about grace yesterday. <laughs> and I said, no. I said, can you hear me? You understand English? And he said, yeah, I can hear you now. I said, okay. I said, I need two sausage biscuits, two cups of coffee. And he goes, OK. And basically, he says something like, you need a chili hot dog and a, and a bowl of ice cream. I don't know what he said. And I wanted to say, you knucklehead. And I thought I thought to myself, what I'm going to do, I'm trying to figure out a plan that when I can go that window, I'm going to give him the stink eye first. 
I learned that from my wife. But then I'm going to give her a stink eye first. And then I'm going to say, is this your first day here, buddy? You know, I wanted to say something like that. And it was in me. I was rehearsing it, you know. I mean, this went on for a while. And so finally, I just pulled around. I said, I'll just come around. So I come around there and I'm thinking, you got to be nice, got to be nice, got to be nice. So he opens up that window and, and there's a guy I'd never seen before, a young guy. And, and I reached to get my bill phone. He goes, Pastor Jody. <laughs> he goes, I was at your service for the first time yesterday. Man, I loved it. You do not have any idea how thankful I am that by the Holy Spirit, God locked the lock and threw the key. Because my reaction to him would have erased anything I said Sunday morning. Quit locking yourself up. Quit doing dumb stuff. You'll thank me later for it. And number two, don't forget where you put the keys. So this true story. Usually when I lock up, when when we leave for a few days, I'll lock up the cars and I'll hide the keys somewhere. I'll hide them. And I told the boys, I said, if you need my pickup, you know, there it is. You know, I didn't tell any of y'all, but I said, there's, if you need it, blah, 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 blah. But normally I'll I'll hide the keys and I'll hide him in a gun safe. And, and you say, well, he's mentioned gun safe twice. Well, okay, I've, I've got a BB gun, a pellet gun. So I lock it up because I like them. And, and so when I come home, I, I need to come down to church. That's my pickup. And being gone eight days, I couldn't find the keys. So I, I do what I normally do, call son number one. Because he's usually guilty of everything. And... I said, you got the key? No, I ain't got it. But, but I spent about 40 minutes looking for them. And I didn't say anything. But I, really, I've hit them in the dryer. Really, don't laugh. I've hit them in the dryer, in the bottom of the laundry basket. I've, I hide stuff. Who's going to look in the bottom of dirty underwear? Nobody's going to do it. Well, you will now, so i got to find me another hiding place. I couldn't find them. Only said I had. Only said I had. And so you know what Miss Smarty Pants said? That would be my wife. She came in there with one eye open and she said, what'd you do, lose your keys? I said, I did not lose my keys. (laughs) I hate it when she's right. But come to find out, son number two had them, figures. Locks are very important. Locks sometimes releases the benefits of God and then sometimes locks keeps us from releasing things that we should not release for our own protection. Don't forget where you hid the keys. David said in Psalms 119 verse 11, he said, thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. David got it right. Here's the man that is, is made straight A's on disappointing and failing God. Here's a man that absolutely destroyed homes and families and his own family and his own, and his own reputation and he lost it. But one thing he remembered, he said, the reason why I don't take my own life is because years ago 
I hid your words in my heart. Some of you would have blew your brains out years ago if it wasn't for God's presence in your life telling you, don't do it. Better days are coming. Some of you would have injected that needle and overdose a long time ago, even in the middle of a party that, that you wanted in your life. But God said, I'm not through with your life yet. You might have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. I have plans for you. I've always had plans for you. You just happen to get in the way. The word hid is, is a Greek word. It's called a soft hand, but it means it, it's a word. It, it means to be hidden or concealed. It means a king's ransom. Now, I need you to hear this. The word hid doesn't mean agricultural term like I, I planted something. It means that I have hid it under lock and key because that's how valuable it is to me. There's one thing about it that, that I found out through life, even knowing the full scale of the kingdom of God and the love of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, in which I'm very acquainted and, and familiar with all these mechanics. But there's one thing that I do in my own life is I, through the years, I have learned to hide the word of God under lock and key in my heart. Because the day will come, if you're not careful, you can look around, the day will come where these churches may be banned. And don't look at me like that'll never happen. Don't ever say that will never happen. Boy, I'll tell you, if we ever lived in a day and age with, that was filled with antichrist in high places and the right places, spiritual wickedness, Ephesians 6, in high places, it means the right places. It's today. And it's not going to get any better until King Jesus physically comes upon this earth. But I will tell you, if, if I was you and I'm not you, but this is what I would tell you to do. There's a lot of things that we tried to put on our most priority list is valuable. The word of God needs to be one of the most valuable things you can have in your life because you're going to need it one day. You're going to need it when you can't find me. You're going to need it when you can't find a brother in Christ. You're going to need it when you find yourself all alone. You're going to need it. And so David said, this one thing that I do that I, I keep it under lock and key and I don't forget where I put the keys. The truth of the matter, in St. John chapter 8, verse 32, in the King James, it says, verse 31, it says, if you continue my truth, you shall be, if you continue my words, the word continue, verse 31, it says, if you continue my words, that you'll be my disciples. The word continue is, a, is an old, it's an old Greek word called prosk, P-R-O-S-K, it means to be addicted to heroin. Opium was, was, was rampant back then, just like it is today in Afghanistan and that part of the world. And Jesus said that if, if you would be so addicted to my words as an addict is to drugs, think about that. I can't make a day without it. We're not talking about drinking a beer every once in a while. We're talking about somebody that's hooked on methamphetamines. They'll sell their mother's shoes. They'll sell their baby's clothes to get a fix. And Jesus said, if you'll be so addicted to my words and my sayings, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The Greek lexicon, you've heard me say this, and this is important because I'm going somewhere with this, truly. That once you've learned the truth, that no one will ever be able to lock you up again. That's what verse 32 says. Once you know truth, who's truth? I'm the way, the truth, and life. Christ is the truth. Once you know truth, once you come in a relationship, it's not gnosko like education. It's epinosis in the Greek. It means I'm having a relationship. I'm intimate. Adam knew his wife and they had a son. It doesn't mean like, hey, I know you. It was way beyond knowing you. You don't have a child by just knowing you. 
You get it. You shall know truth. You'll be intimate with Christ. Intimacy. This is a G-rated sermon, but, but it's more than they say, oh, I know who Jesus is. I, I learned about him in Sunday school, but do you? Are you intimate with him? Are you driving down the road and turning the radio off and have a, just have a brief period of time of intimacy? And I'll, I'll be honest with you, after 35 years of this, I like you, but sometimes I, you just need to be away from me. Huh? So that's why I go on cruises. Not that I need to be away from you, but it's time for me and my wife just to get to know one another again. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it in a good way. We just hold hands and talk and, you know, our days are filled with church and daycare. And oh my goodness. I mean, that's like putting a sock on an octopus, this daycare. <laughs> and I told Jeremy, I said, her little mind's getting tired. I know it is. I'm just trying to be good to her. I mean, it's just, I'm just trying to take good care of her. And I will. But once you know the truth, once you know not the truth, but the truth who is Christ, once you have an intimate relationship with him, no one can ever lock you back up. Your hair's too long. I don't care. Jesus said I'm good. <laughs> Your skirt's a little short. Well, I didn't know we was carrying around tape measures here, buddy. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. I will not be locked up by your rules and your religions and your reformations. I will not. Christ's blood has been shed upon my life and I'm free. I belong to him. I don't live my life careless. I live it carefree. We don't throw caution to the wind. We live according to his word. And that honors God. So if the truth brings about freedom and, and say with me, and it does. Thank you. That, that, that section over there, they're gone. They lost it. And the truth brings about freedom and it does. Agreed? And you can't separate the man Jesus from the words written, the logos. So he said, I am the word. I'm the living word. So you can't separate the, the man, Jesus, from the pages that he spoke because you can't do it. It's, it's all the same. So if it's possible, if the truth brings freedom in our life, then is it also possible for those that without the truth can be incarcerated in certain areas of your life? So let me explain before we go home. How many of you are saved and you gave your life to Christ and you really are saved? I'm not even going to look. Okay. Put your hand up. Well, you got it. How many's ever done dumb things since then? Now then, you're all, most of you are lying. How many's done dumb things since then? All right. All right. Why is that? Why is that? I thought Christ said it's free and we're still doing dumb things. Understand? But he's given us the keys of his word to help us lock things that will be harmful to us and unlock things that will be beneficial to us. So here's a simple analogy and we're going to go get ready. This is in Acts chapter 12, 1 through 10. And just because some of you have not read your Bible this week, this year, this century, we're going to read 10 verses in the message translation. And it's a great one. Now, when King Herod got into his head to go after some of the church members, He murdered James, John's brother. This is the Lord's cousins, sons of Zebedee. He murdered him, cut his head off. And when he saw how much that it raised his popularity ratings with the Jews. Now, can we stop just a moment? Can we stop just a moment? Can you imagine one of the disciples 
getting their head cut off and the Jews loving it? The religious Jews loved it. That blows my mind. Here's a man that devoted his whole life to God and, and, and a cousin to Jesus and, and did no wrong at all. He followed the principles of Christ. And, and Herod had him murdered in front of the religious Jews and the Jews loved it so much they said, we want you to kill Peter too. Wow, if you feel like that you work around someone or live next somewhere, someone that hates you, you're in good company. So when he saw how much it raised his popularity's rating, evidently that his ratings were bad with the Jews, he arrested Peter all this during Passover week. And mind you that, and had him thrown in jail, putting four squads of, of, of four soldiers each to guard him. And he was planning a public lynching after the Passover. So being so hypocritical, he said, we're not going to kill him during Passover. Imagine that. We're celebrating the the, the Passover, so we'll wait the Passover and then we're going to cut his head off. That's a good guy. And all the time that Peter was under a heavy guard in the jailhouse, now watch this, and the church prayed for him most earnestly. Good luck on that. And the time came for the church, excuse me, the time came for Herod to bring him out for the kill that night. Even though shackled the two soldiers on either side of him, Peter slept like a baby. And there was guards at the door keeping their eyes on the place and Herod, because Herod was taking no chances. Keep going. And suddenly there was an angel that appeared at his side and light flooding the room and the angel shook Peter and said, got him up and said, hurry. And the handcuffs, handcuffs or the shackles fell off his wrist. And the angel said, get dressed, put your shoes on. And Peter did. Then he grabbed your coat and let's get out of here. And Peter followed him, but didn't believe it was really an angel, and he thought he was dreaming. And past the first guard, and the second, they came to the iron gate that led into the city. It swung open before on its own, and they were out in the streets, free at, at the breeze. And at, at the first intersection, the angel left him going his own way. Okay, thank you for reading that Bible verse with me. Here's the moral of this story dealing with locks and chains. When I tell you to quit locking yourself up, the shackles came off Peter first before he ever left the prison. Changing locations will not bring about your freedom. If you're shackled in the jail, you're still shackled when you get on the outside. Changing jobs won't create freedom in your life. Changing churches won't bring freedom in your life. Changing partners will not bring freedom. Changing friends will not bring about freedom in your life. And I wish it was true, but for you Texas Longhorn fans, going to Crimson and Cream still won't change you. It'll improve your outlook, but it won't change you on the inside. There's only one thing that will change you is a change of heart. Can, can you imagine Peter being in prison, shackled, shackled? And the angel said, I got a way of getting you out of here. He goes, great, great. And we know that Peter, that he wasn't thinking because the Lord prophesied to him, told him, when you're old, convert your brother. So Jesus already told him in John 21, you would be an old man. 
But he forgot that. He forgot where he left the key to that. Did you get that, what I just told you? Yes. You didn't. John 21, he told Peter, he said, and when you're old, strength number, he told him, you'll be old. You'll be old. He forgot that. In amazing that we forget a lot of times what God has to say about us and said to us. But the angel could have said, let's go. We're out of here. We got the green braids coming. Let's bust. Let's bring a cutting torch. Cut down the iron gauge. We'll, we'll take over the guards and, and get him out. And he said, you're out. We're out of here. But the problem is he's still shackled. Being shackled, I can still play a piano, but it's not that big. Well, it may even be an improvement. I don't know that. It's amazing that locations and changing physical locations will never change the spiritual condition of what's going on inside of you. The first thing that God did for Peter, he freed him in the jail. And if you're free in the jail, you'll be free when you get out of the jail. Moving to another church will not unshackle you. Moving to another job will not unshackle you. Marrying another person will not make your life better. I don't know what about that. I've been married 42 years, but I'm just telling you, your enemies say, oh, it's okay. What I'm telling you is that viruses and habits and addictions still have us incarcerated in handcuffs. And all we really do is we go into one relationship into another, one job into another, and one church into another, still in bondage, thinking that it was the former pastor's fault. And it's not. You never was free before you left the jail. So when he says that you shall know truth and the truth shall make you free, it means this. No matter where you go. First of all, that he has, the anointing has broken the, the yoke and the shackles from your life. And my heart's been changed. My location wasn't changed. I still worked in oil field and they still cussed and they still did bad things, but I changed. Are you with me? Don't be looking for external things to make you happy. It won't. You say, oh, if I can win a lottery, it make me happy. No, you won't. No, you won't. You, you'll find out you got relatives that won't borrow money from you. So it won't make you happy. <laughs> the great thing about it is that Peter was free on the inside of the jail. And he was free. And you know what's great about this? We got to go. He didn't even realize what was going on. I look at you every Sunday morning. Well, some of you are really incarcerated. You're really locked up. You're locking yourself up. Hateful, mean, angry. You lock yourself up. Lock yourself up. Can't function, restricted. Can't be happy, can't enjoy life, can't smile. You're locking yourself up. Quit it. Well, I can't do anything about it. Did you forget where the keys are? <sighs> the Word of God has the ability to unlock compartments that your enemy would like to shackle you and lock you up. Your enemy would like to tell you, buddy, you've gone too far. And I say, hang on just a minute. I got a key somewhere about that. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Boop, I'm free. The word of God are keys that unlock every lock that your enemy would like to put on you. So the great thing this morning is, as we close, is that Peter was free in the jail. And then he was free in the streets. 
you've come here from, from your house and you've done something dumb and stupid and you're incarcerated, you had a fight in the parking lot and blah, 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 and, and you, you come in here handcuffed, expecting something magical to happen. But being incarcerated and locked up and shackled, you, you, may, you may be in this church house, but you're not free. I am at the right place. I know him. I see the drums. I'm at the right place. And Catherine and Melissa started singing and, and, and because the words you said last night, you, you, can't even, you can't even honor God. You can't even shake hands. You can't even be friendly. And I'm telling you that God has given you keys of his kingdom to, to unlock every handcuff that your enemy has slapped on you. And you can be free to lift your hands and honor God and say, God, I love you above all things. You got more grace than I got sin. There's none like you. I think more than anything that my, my whole description here is this. It's kind of like that diners drive in dives deal. I mean, my wife has taken me to some dives that I was even afraid to go in. I mean, I thought, my goodness. <laughs> it hold about 12 people. But the food was outstanding. You'd order a hamburger and grease and just run off. <laughs> you're missing why you're coming here, I think. I think you're missing it. You're thinking I'm here to build a church. I'm not. Jesus said, I'll build a church. I'll build my church. My job for the last 35 years is this. I'm trying to give you keys that'll unlock things in your life. Things of unforgiveness and bitterness and guilt and shame locks that has got you locked down. And this is what you're saying. If I could just go to a church that they run around the building, well, if they did, you wouldn't go anyway because you're shackled up. There's only one thing that can free us. And, and I'm kind of, I got to go with this. I promise you. But I'm kind of like, I am the angel of the Lord. You and Gallus. That's all an angel is, if you didn't know that. It's a messenger from God. You and Gallus is you, in the Greek is, is beautiful, and Gallus is where we get a word for logos is words. Someone that's bringing wonderful words your way. And isn't it amazing that what happened to Peter, here, we gotta go. Isn't it amazing what happened to Peter? He wasn't even aware of it. Oh, now, think about that. He wasn't even, he wasn't fully, I must be dreaming. It's amazing to me that the, the great things that God is doing in your life, you're not really physically 100% aware of what God is doing in your life. But I can see it. And you say to yourself, I mean, this is what Peter is doing. I mean, even though he's going through the motions and going through the motions, but he said he thought he was dreaming. He just thought he was just having some type of a, a vision that this was happening. And all along, God was doing the impossible for him without his own ability to help God out. 
See, God is doing something in your life and you're not even aware of it. You're not the same hateful person you was 30 years ago. Well, you're not the same person you was 15 years ago. You're not the same person you was five years ago. God is changing you. And you don't see it yourself. You think, well, I'm just old AJ. You're not old AJ. Until you get around somebody that hadn't seen you for a while and you say, yeah, I don't know. There's something about you. And you know what it is? God, without your talent and your gifting, is unlocking and setting you free. And when you get free here, watch this, you'll be free out here. God is doing something wonderful in your lives. I want you to know that. And you may look in the mirror and you say, there ain't nothing going on. Sure it is. Sure it is. Some of you this morning have no idea where some of these people have been. They've been some places. They've been in some rough places, but God is in the business of breaking one shackle, one chain at a time in your life. And when you get on the outside, this is what he tells you. Here's the keys to every lock that will want to bind you up and keep you from living your life freely in honoring me. Lastly, Brother Joe, again, retired at the Veterans Center. And I don't know that, but I think, you know how janitors are, they got a key ring, brother. I mean, they got keys that unlock the president's vault, I think. Hide every key of the Word of God in your heart. You're going to need it. You'll need it. Hide in your heart. Father, this morning, thank you for the honor of just being in your presence. Thank you for the privilege of just being among your people. Not only that are we gathered, but that's not important, but we're being assembled. The components are being assembled together in your presence. And as I look back, being an old man that I am now, as I look back through the years, I, I still struggle and I still question and I still scratch my head of why things had to happen and did not happen. But all along that I, as like my old brother, Simon Peter, he had no idea what God was really doing until he got out among the city street. There's some chains that are being removed today. There's some shackles that are being broken today in some lives. Changing churches is not going to help you. Changing jobs will not help you. There's only one thing that will truly set you free, and that is a changed heart by the Son of God. Some of you this morning need to know that the provenient grace of God, He has always known you. He called you into existence. It's a grace that come before your awareness of it. That's why things were not permitted to happen to you. The things that should have killed you could not. The things that should have destroyed you did not. Because God always had a plan for you. So Father, I pray this morning you would just kind of begin to chip away the cataracts from our eyes and let us really understand what this is about. It's not our own energy and it's not our talent. And, and we want to apologize on the behalf of the, of the church itself that we thought it was about us. It's not. It's, it's always been you.
for my children and my grandchildren, that, that covenant you've made, that no matter where they go or what they do, you would never retract your grace from their life. Help us to carry keys to the kingdom wherever we go, that not only that we can unloosen ourselves from chains and shackles, but, but maybe we have the ability to set others free, that they will be free indeed wherever they go. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. Come on, if you believe it, stand to give the Lord a praise offering this morning. Would you please, huh? Do me about, do me a great favor. Turn around about three or four people and just kind of embrace them and give them a hug. And you don't have to kiss them or nothing. It's, that's going to be all the, say, I love you. You know, when you first came, I, I thought you were weird, but I like you now. I mean, it's, God is, Do you know how good free feels? Do you know how good free feels? Do you know how good being free feels? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And I refuse for religions and denominations and rules and man-made requirements lock me up and they cannot lock me up because I got a pocket full of keys. I'll come out of every one of them. Every Sunday morning we celebrate Holy Communion and it's just a reminder of the, of the divine work that Christ did for us. Now, some of you are visiting here this morning. We, there's no rules or restrictions on this. This is the Lord's table. This is, this is all about Him. You're welcome to come. We're not going to ask you to fill out a membership or a report card here. We're just telling you that this is the body and this is the blood of Christ that's being reacted. It's the very last thing He commanded us to do. What was the last thing I told you the bread and the cup. The bread and the cup in itself, in itself will not save you, absolutely, but it is a reminder to bring you to the place that it reminds you of what he has said and what he has done. Every funeral that I've ever attended with an open casket or even a celebration of life that I knew the person well. That when that time of the service that I got to stand before the casket or the pitcher and look at that lifeless body, I want you to know a thousand things are running through my mind of memories. Even though that person at that moment could not speak or, or with a warm hand touch me anymore, but I will tell you, when I buried my father, when I buried my mother, a million things were running through my mind of memories that we have made that reminded me of not only my love for them, but their sacrifice that they made for me as a child. 
That's what communion is. It's a reminder of all that he has done for us. So that night he said with his disciples, he said, for 1500 years, you've been celebrating the Passover, the very first one in the land of Egypt. And he quotes from John 6, and this is what he said. He said, as, as my father sent down the bread from heaven, your fathers did eat of, uh, eat of that in the wilderness, but they did hunger again. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And if any man have eaten me, he'll never hunger again. He lifted up the cup, which was the third cup, that cup of redemption that night. And he said, for 1500 years, you've been celebrating the lamb's blood. And that night in Egypt, that they would take the, the blood of the lamb and they would sprinkle it upon the doorpost in the shape of a cross that when the death angel or the Abaddon would come to the house, he would pass over that house. But Jesus said, I am now the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And my father will now take my blood and place it in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. So this morning, here's a key. You're gonna go home and say, I don't feel good enough and I don't feel worthy enough. I don't feel adequate. I'm not beautiful, I'm not talented. I'm not equipped with biblical things. I, I don't really have anything to offer God. Here's key number one. God loved you first. While we are yet sinners, God loved us. So Father, we celebrate Holy Communion this morning. We're reminded of your grace and your love for us. And for those that are prodigals today, we invite them to come home. We've been waiting for them to come home. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, Amen.